uh, this is the first recording of um, marketing communications, and we're going to cover the communication strategy and then strategic intent, which is the mission in the market. So we'll go through this relatively quickly as a uh, complement to what we're going to talk about in, uh, in class. So you can listen to this while you're doing whatever you're doing, driving, walking, you know, cleaning your apartment, whatever, your dorm room. Um, what we're trying to do in marketing communications is be strategic about how we get consumers to buy our product or purchase our service. And our communication strategy is basically the way that we build some sort of a story around our brand. And then um, we send that out to the world and see how it does in the marketplace. There's many different jobs that you want your marketing communication strategy to accomplish depending on where your product is and where your um, consumers are along the lines of like what they know about it and what, or what they don't know about it. And so uh, for some, you know, these, these plans are just to entertain the consumers. For others, it could be to educate them. For others, it could be to, you know, persuade them to purchase something or remind them to repurchase something. Um, main thing we're doing is broadcasting the value that our brand or our product or our service provides to consumers um, so that, you know, they're engaged enough to, to pull the trigger and purchase from us. Uh, we have to know what to say, and we have to know how to say it. We have to decide who we're going to say it to, and then how frequently we're going to send this message their way. And the hope is that we'll be effective, get them to purchase, and um, eventually become efficient in, in doing this. There's three different uh, podcasts that I'm going to do on this, and this is the first one, which is on strategic intent. We can kind of think about our marketing communications strategy as uh, having three different phases. So the first, like I said, is going to be strategic intent, then the execution phase, and then the third phase is, is um, impact. And so, you know, when we do this, we're going to use this in such a way that we can make some smart decisions based on uh, the mission that we're trying to accomplish, the target market we're going after, what exactly we're trying to say, which is the message, the way we're going to get it to the consumer, which is the media, how much of a budget we're going to have on here, which is money, and then how do we measure success? What's the best way to measure that? So we're going to craft a plan, and many, um, many professors who've done a lot of research on this you know, say like an integrated marketing communication plan We'll have many touch points and it will be congruent and make a lot of sense and the parts will all fit together so that consumer gets like a, a good, strong, coherent picture of, you know, why they should buy from us. So we're going to um, start off with just kind of like marketing communication strategy and there's, there's, um, you know, a couple of different things in this strategy, but, you know, the intent is the main thing we're going to talk about in this 
this first uh, podcast, which is, you know, what is the job we're trying to accomplish? What's our mission? And then what target market are we going to, you know, try to to target with this communication plan? Uh, the next podcast, we'll, we'll talk about execution. We actually like craft the message and then decide what's the right media. And then the third is um, strategic impact, which is like, how much money we're going to spend, what's our return on investment, and how are we going to measure that, you know, effectiveness. So those are all important, but they'll be, you know, broken out yourself. And so when we, we talk about intent, we talk about the mission in the market, um, we could have many, many different missions depending on um, where the consumer is. Uh, it could just be we're, we're new and so we just got to make the consumer aware of us um you know if they aren't even aware of us and what we do and what the benefits are then there's no way they can pick us um you know we might be there at the other end of the spectrum to reassure consumers like they bought from us and hey we want to just communicate it was a, a good choice and that could be you know sort of the other spectrum where we're building up our brand long term um you know, increase future sales. You can have short-term, you know, sales building, marketing communication strategies where, you know, hey, we're just trying to make a quick turnaround on this and not necessarily brand building. So um, thinking this this over, you know, some examples of, um, you know, this brand building and the stages where, we want to um, do brand building. You know, we can you can kind of use an old, um, an old think feel do kind of process that uh, marketing's had for for a long time. So, you know, when we're looking at like what are consumers, what process do they go through when um, they're going to buy something? And usually under this, um, you see a picture of a funnel, and it's kind of wide at the top and narrow at the bottom. At the beginning, at the top of it, we think about awareness and knowledge. So you have to be aware of the product and then kind of know what it does, product or service. Then down lower below the think part of the funnel, you'd have the feel part where you, know, you start to develop a liking for the product and then a preference for the product. And then at the bottom of the funnel, um, you'd have things like conviction, which, you know, hey, now I believe it, and I believe this is the right thing to do, and so then purchase is last. Um, this model is called the hierarchy of effects model, and you know the funnel shape is, is useful because most of the time when we communicate with consumers, we might communicate with a ton of them at the top where we're doing awareness and knowledge, but only a, a much smaller sub-segment of them are going to you know, be convinced that they purchase at the bottom of the funnel. So that, that works pretty good. So, um, you know, defining our communication objectives can be linked to this funnel. And we can kind of think about, like, what, you know, what do we need them to do? Um, what do we need them to get to in their um, buying decision? And, like, where are they in the, in the process? And so, you know, a brand-new product you're probably going to be at the top of the funnel where the job is like, you know, awareness and knowledge. You know, if they are pretty 
well-versed in, in our product or service, you know, maybe most of our job is in conviction and, and purchase, um, or, and maybe even after purchase, the, um, thoughts, emotions, and motives, which, you know, kind of translate to think, feel, do, um, can, you know, focus on different parts of this. Sometimes all we need to do is evoke, you know, sort of the emotional part of it to drive a purchase. Other times we might have to really go through intense um, amounts of thinking or intense cognition before somebody buys. And then other times it's just like an impulse buy, right? And so um, we can kind of think of this as creating uh, changes in how people think, how people feel, and what behaviors they, they do. And we can think of that as kind of like, here's the, the job we need done by these, by these people. Um, okay, we're approaching the 10-minute point here. And <clears throat> I might just you know, let you think about this a little bit more. But um, the Think, Feel, Do model, you know, a lot of marketers have started to question this and um, sort of say, like, you know, some, sometimes the order can, can go differently. For example, like, you could look at something like perfume and you could just say, you know, it's an emotional product. It's like I feel it. I, I think about it emotionally and I buy it and I don't really um, go into that cognitive phase at the beginning. Others could be, um, you know, you're doing stuff first. So you could get a free sample in a store and then later on you um, think about that was and then you can later like develop an emotional appeal for the for the product. So that might be, you know, something that, we're doing dominates rather than thinking, feeling, and then doing. Uh, in any case, you have to do some homework and understand where the consumers are along that journey. And then once you do that, you can figure out what remaining work needs to be done in order to uh, make the sale. And so marketers spend a lot of time understanding um, what the consumers think about when they think about their brand and what they need to do in order to persuade them to, to go along that, that journey. Um, <clears throat> you know, a deep understanding of consumer behavior usually means that we have to know what features the buyer's value and then highlight this in our marketing plan. We can think of our mission as this first part as like, hey, what's the job we need to do to get them to, to buy? It can be many, many jobs. Um, each job could require a separate kind of story um, that the marketing people need to go through. And we could have um, different appeals all within the same cam- uh, campaign. So some could be very logical appeals, some could be emotional, and some could be you know, very much like the do appeal, the motivational appeal. Um, so that's kind of you know, what is our mission? Well, our mission is to, you know, have the buyers understand where the right place to go for, for value. And then um, the next part of this, first part of the strategic marketing is then who's our target market? Who are we trying to, you know, do this job for? So the target market is, you know, kind of marketing 101. Um, we, 
we have to kind of understand that they have certain specific needs. We have to convey that we are going to meet their needs in the language that they understand and on the media that, that they're around. Um, defining the target market or defining the audience that you're, you're kind of telling your marketing communications to used to be done just with you know, old-fashioned demographics, so age, gender, income, education level, geography, that kind of thing. Uh, we've moved on to also understanding what, um, what the target market believes and knows and feels, and in particular, what they feel about the brand. And then uh, once we kind of understand that, we can understand when they have a certain attitude about our brand, what attitude must we change, and then um, understand why they decided to purchase from us or why they decided not to purchase from us. And then we can load up a bunch of promotional tactics to try to try to change that attitude around. And so um, what we can do is different kinds of um, segmenting. So um, the first kind of segmenting is you look at a, a certain market. So for example, like if you were selling cars, you could go for the luxury car market and then maybe part of your marketing communication plan might be sponsoring um, events that are associated with luxury, like uh, tennis championships or, or um, some sort of a golf event. Uh, you could have other marketing that's more customized, and that might be where there's different product suggestions based on somebody's search history. Um, for example, Amazon, if you type enough stuff into Amazon search bar, they start making product suggestions for you. Um, we can also do uh, consumer-to-consumer marketing where we're trying to con seed consumer conversations about our brand. And one of the examples they talk about is uh, Volkswagen's um, dub punch campaign where you know they encourage people to talk about uh, the Volkswagen brands um, on the street. And so they, you know, they just did this thing where like people could upload videos and you know, if you upload it enough, you, could, you might win like a lease for a certain amount of time. Um, you can also have mass marketing where you're not segmenting at all. And so like in the Super Bowl, you're sending, um, or like the World Cup, you're sending, you know, a commercial out, you know, for everybody to see. And you think like some of the people will be engaged there. Uh, in the old days, you know, it was sort of a, you know, the company broadcasting out to consumers. Now um, there's a lot of co-creation because of social media. And so in social media, people can talk about the brands and kind of send um, marketing messages to peers. And you know, that's sort of the consumer to consumer model quite a bit. Okay. this podcast um other things we got to know about the audience is is the audience passive or are they active um if they're you know sort of passive then we might have to do sort of a, a monologue with them if they're active we might be able to do bi-directional communication we sort of start a conversation with them uh, many business to business sales are like this where the customer has uh you know very technical information the company has to have almost a sales engineer go out there and have long conversations about how exactly we're going to we're going to build something 
And then there can be multi-directional where the firm communicates with consumers and then the consumers communicate um, with each other. And sometimes um, they might even produce some of the communications. So the example they give here is the ALS challenge where you know, they start off with a campaign and the campaign um, went viral and then people started building up um, their own launches of videos and that led to millions and millions of dollars raised for AOS uh, between 2014 and 19, over $115 million was raised. Uh, the last kind of um, thing that they talk in great detail about was this idea of push versus pull marketing communications. And <clears throat> the idea is like you can have that funnel again. And at the top of the funnel, the uh, company could push um, the product down towards um, channel partners. So you're a big company and you're selling like candy bars or something like that. You know, you work out a deal with the retailers and the grocery stores and the drug stores to give them like a better share of the profits to make sure that that candy bar shows up in prominent, you know, shelf space. And then the end consumer is marketed to by the retailer that way. So it's like kind of indirect. And then there's um, the other way to do this where you could do is a pull up where, you know, you spend a lot of the marketing communications on end, con uh, end consumers and they sort of go to the retailers and the wholesalers and they demand that these things be stocked. And so you should understand, um, you know, the push and pull marketing communications differences. This is part two of um, the marketing communications execution, and we're going to cover the message and the media. We're going to put the message in. So here we're going to take our positioning and transfer it into a story, and we're going to use a lot of the strategies that other great storytellers have, have used in the past, but we're going to just do it in a different way. And so, you know, we want to convince the customers through our story, you know, we are actually in the position that um, our STP said, our, you know, segmentation, then we pick a target segmentation, then we position ourselves so that target thinks of us the right way. Um, other companies would talk about it as like a value proposition, but basically we're going to convince people why should they buy from us. You know, uh, having a compelling storyline using a narrative can be very, very helpful. A lot of people on the creative side can help with this. So it might include directors, copywriters, graphic designers, digital designers. Um, we think a little bit about a unified story or having a, you know, so all of the marketing communication plan has sort of this unified story, or we could go with it a different way where it's idiosyncratic stories depending on the venue. So earlier in class, we looked at um, the Hunger Games case, and we saw, like, depending on the type of social media, they had a different aspect of, of the story in there. So that's something, you know, that we can, we can think about it. Um, you know, the big thing we want to just get across is what's our unique value to our target market? And it answers the question, why should they buy from us? So, um, you know, we borrow a lot, as I said, from different kinds of narrative structures. 
But the, the big thing is that most of these structures have a message. Then there's some sort of point of conflict. Uh, there's some characters within that narrative structure and a plot. Um, you know, the way you tell a story can involve these things, but it can be told using many, many complex or very simple stories. And you can use tons of sound or it can be completely silent and just, you know, imaging. Um, it can entertain or it can evoke deep thinking. Uh, it can provide useful information or, you know, it can just kind of introduce the beginning of our brand. Um, the message part of the narrative is what's the big takeaway? What do we want them to remember about us? You think about it as like if you're searching through the internet, you know, in the news and you see a headline, it's like, okay, this encapsulates the main message. Um, you know, it could be almost like a jingle. So, for example, American Express used to have this, you know, don't leave home without it as, you know, an iconic kind of warning message to, to consumers. Uh, the conflict is often the driving force in good stories. You know, it provides energy in the forward movement. Uh, a lot of times the conflict in great stories is like good versus evil. Um, sometimes it'll be like underdogs battling, you know, like the favored to win kind of a thing. Um, you know, some brands have been very successful using themes like um, refusing to conform. So there's an example in the reading about how Taco Bell, you know, did this with one of their, their new products. Uh, characters are another narrative aspect. And a lot of times in advertisements, you'll have sort of a hero. And that person, that hero is the solution often to the conflict. Um, so you want to find, you know, in, in books, you want like that character. In movies, that character is really unforgettable. Um, you can also have villains. There's other big archetypes like rebels or the wise old man or the change, change master. Uh, so there can be many different types of characters that you use. But um, in, in marketing communications, like a lot of times even the brand will play a supporting role and will kind of be like a character. Um, and, you know, what we can do is we can plug some characters in who will talk about our brand and those characters might have um, sort of an appeal. So you could use like rock stars or movie stars, that kind of thing. Or you could use authority figures. So if you were selling like toothpaste, the reading talks about, you know, hey, we have a dentist come on board. Or if it was like a B2B product, you could have like a famous um, business person come on board. And so that's important. Uh, we also talk about another narrative aspect is the plot. So usually, you know, stories evolve around. My dog is entering the, entering the podcast here. A lot of times um, stories evolve around... Um, uh, a narrative and the plot moves from point A to point C to point D uh, depending on, on what you want to do um, there's you know there can be scenes and you can introduce sort of like here's the setup of the story then you have some sort of rising action that leads to some sort of attention and then that tension can be used to kind of like develop your understanding of the characters and the characters usually come in and resolve the situation and there's this tension release. Um, you know, that's kind of interesting. They do talk about um, good plots grab attention. 
And so um, attention, like later on in the reading, you'll see when we start like measuring the effectiveness of these ads, most people ignore the ads. So like very small percentage actually look at it. So, you know, you really kind of want to grab people. Um, new kind of form of um, narrative is, is a meme. And a lot of times this is um, great at grabbing, you know, somebody's attention. It's usually sort of the brand is hijacked and you might not have con complete control over this meme. So you got to be a little bit wary and careful about what is said. Um, but, uh, you know, if you, if you want to grab the attention, it's usually got to be relatively um, entertaining. Um, creative appeals are one way that, you know, we try to appeal to our customers um, to get them to do what we want them to do. There can be rational appeals. There can be logical arguments that go along with those rational appeals. You know, we get them to think, hey, this is the right thing to do can also rely on emotional approaches where, you know, you're kind of in that um, feel space of the response. And sometimes brands will do a combination of rational and emotional appeals. Um, you know, a lot of times a big company will use scientific or technical evidence and testimonials from authority voices to kind of give almost um, like manufactured word of mouth, but, you know, some sort of performance that you're, you're proving you're better than, than somebody else. Um, other kind of appeals that are kind of cool are humorous appeals. So the, the science behind this is that you put the consumers in a good mood and then um, they will be more apt to and willing to pay attention to what you're, what you're um, trying to sell. Uh, However, just like, you know, if you hear a joke one time, you like laugh a lot, hear it a second time, you're like, it's not as funny, you hear it a third time, you kind of start to hate it. So the wear out for humor, um, that tends to, you know, go away pretty quickly and you got to be careful with humor. So um, there's also can be fear appeals. And so, you know, like sometimes if, you, if you've ever been in like a, capital budgeting, you know, meeting or something like that. Like a lot of times you talk about, you know, I recommend we do this and this and this for the company. And you say, you give a bunch of good evidence of, of why. And then at the end you say, and if we don't do it, our competitors might do it. And that a lot of times um, gets people to do something. Because you'd be surprised how many times in business, like people would just do nothing. You know, they're just like, I, I don't really, I'm not really sure. I'm just going to do nothing. So you kind of can appeal um, to levels of fear. Again, you got to be careful with this, um, that you don't overdo it, you know, because that can, that can go bad. Um, you know, the levels can get too high on this. Um, they talk about the boomerang effect in, in fear and that, you know, sometimes, like, uh, government was using really disturbing um, photographs talking about, like, how, how much damage smoking could do to you and they put that on the cigarette packs and you know it had sort of the opposite effect on that they wanted people to have it it was like too scary so the people ignored it um there's some other you know things about um other types of appeals that you can you can look at i'm not going to give you like an exhaustive look but um the 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 question of you know 
where and how do we deliver the message is the next part, and that's media. And so um, we have to be very careful about selecting and buying the ads in such a way that we reach the target audience that we want to go after. Um, it's very difficult to do now relative to the past because there's such fractionalization of media um, or fragmentation. Uh, people are also growing increasingly skeptical of marketing. And then um, there's some, you know, there's some talk in the reading just about the idea of also kind of want to co-creating, you know, what the brand is and what the message is. Um, there's too many ads. So 28% of an hour spent on regular network TV now is, is filled with ads. Um, that leads to a lot of ads and a lot of clutter. Um, you know, not, not um, to harp on this too much, but, you know, we remember, according to the research, only 1% to 3% of the ads we actually see. And so, um, you know, that's a big problem. But another big problem for companies trying to advertise right now is it's just the, the capability of being able to opt out of ads. So you can get Hulu or Netflix or HBO Go or Apple TV and really pay a premium um, not to see any ads. 73% uh, of people cannot opt out of ads, according to the readings. Um, in addition to that, like other types of marketing, now there's, there's do not call registries. And in the news, uh, both Google and Apple have um, decided to dramatically change the way that they track people and allow other people to track people using their, um, using their services and devices. And so um, that's very, very challenging. Uh, the other thing is like habits are different than they used to be. Uh, you know, in the old days, it was kind of like people would sit through a whole ad. Um, you know, 90% of the ads that were shown, people would, you know, watch a television show and just watch the whole thing. Now it's like down to 20%. And, um, you know, it's like and it's partly a function that we're watching more and more content on social media where you didn't sign up for ads. You signed up for social media and the ads are easier to, to um, skip. Uh, there are a bunch of, you know, when we're talking about like what kind of media and how and, and how frequently, um, there's a whole bunch of different kinds of media. And, you know, the big one is mass media where you're kind of doing television, doing a big sports um, program. You're, you're sending it out to everybody. Um, you can have media that's synchronous and asynchronous. So like this, for example, this podcast, you can listen to it not during class hours and, you know, just kind of do it at your, um, at your, uh, at your leisure. Um, you can look at, owns media, which is fern controlled. And, you know, that's where you go out and you buy some ads on TV or radio or other online advertising and you maintain complete control. Um, somebody's getting sick of my podcast. Below me, it's my dog. Yeah. You don't like this. That's she's looking at her reflection in the mirror and growling. Um, there's consumer controlled and then, um, other controlled, which is public relations. So the consumer con controlled, you can think of like blogs and social media. You give up some control of the message, but it can add authenticity. Uh, public relations, you know, you can reach out to other influencers and then hope that they sort of spread the news. Um, you know, the advertising, huge industry, um, $600 billion annually spent on advertising. Uh, it is made up of a whole bunch of different types of ads. 
The reading gets into direct marketing quite a bit. Uh, you might think of this like maybe you've seen it in emails, but there's also direct mail, uh, telemarketing. I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I, hey, is your insurance <laughs> or has your, your warranty on your car expired? Um, you know, big data seems to be adding rather than subtracting to the frequency of this because they can find your profile and send you stuff. Uh, there's good old-fashioned uh, sales promotions. 68% of our budgets are sales promotions. Um, think of like coupons and stuff like that. But there's also a way to work the, um, the trade promotions. And that's where like you work out deals with retailers to try to get them to um, stock a new product or a new, new service. Uh, consumer sales promotions, you know, you've probably seen this a lot with like coupons, free samples and volume discounts, that kind of thing. But you could also think of it as like warranties and guarantees and price protections. Um, these things help consumers reduce the risk. That they're, that they're looking at. So, um, you know, personal selling still still matters. Um, you know, here you have somebody who's solving the problems of the consumer. Uh, they might try to upsell or cross-sell, which means like, you know, cross-sell, you could, hey, I came in for a bank loan. I'm also going to end up getting some kind of insurance product from them. Upsell might be, hey, I'm also going to sell you like a commercial loan for your, your company. Uh, public relations, you know, when we want to release the information, we use a special type of um, marketing communication to influence the influencers, which I, I think that's really good. Um, and the goal is that, you know, we're trying to tell our story and they get other, other credible sources to kind of go ahead and, and um, echo that story. And then there's event marketing. And so you can sponsor events. Um, so, you know, like... Tennis, golf, it might be like a luxury brand sponsoring that event and that kind of thing. And we're hoping that, you know, people start to associate us with that and they make it, you know, they start to, that starts to impact our brand. So that's the end of part two. I tried to be a little bit faster than part one and I will, I will post this soon. All right. I'm going to start over on um, advertising, budgeting, and assessing the impact. And so this is the last part of marketing communications. So some companies, they have a advertising to sales ratio and they just say, hey, you know, if our sales are, you know, $6 million or if they're $60 million, we're going to do, you know, 6% or 5% or 3% of sales, whatever it is. There's different industry ratios that are mentioned in the, uh, in the budget. Um, the, the experts in the reading are not very positive about this. They say, like, it's better to take the approach of, like, what is your specific goal for your marketing communications program and then work backwards for that. And there's a nice, um, a nice link in the readings to some calculators that, that do that and it works backwards. Um, good thing to keep in mind is, like, no matter what your, your tactic is that you're using for advertising, over time, if you think about it, you should be getting better at it. So you should be getting more efficient, meaning spend the same amount of money and achieve your goals, um, you know, achieve greater goals or spend less money and achieve the same goal. So that sometimes is lost in, in marketing. Um, there can be a bunch of things that we look at as goals. So it might be, you know, we're trying to get our advertising to get a certain market share or we might try to get um, a certain number of loyal customers. And so we can use the interactive illustration in the readings to kind of go from, 
hey, my goal is to get this many loyal customers. So in order to do that, I have to get a certain number of people to actually try. Um, based on some historical information, then we can say, well, how many people do we have to reach in order to get this many to try? Of those who try, you know, a small percentage become loyal. And so, um, you know, we can work backwards and, and look at that illustration. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, this is sort of a bottom-up process rather than just saying a percentage sales. And, I, you know, they, they call it objective task method of allocating funds. And it's, it's not a bad way to, um, to think about it. However, if your, you know, company is being compared to a, a peer and you're pretty similar and you're doing sort of the same thing, and your marketing communications is costing, you know, two or three times more than theirs. And, you know, some kind of analyst is going to put it into, you know, a revenues to, to spending ratio. And you're going to have to explain yourself. And it, may, it still might be the right thing to do for your company, depending on what you're doing. Um, but, you know, putting together a budget really depends on a lot of different things. And, and it gets down to kind of, how easy or how difficult is the task? Um, how accessible and desirable are the target markets? You know, the harder to, you know, get to those markets, the more it's going to cost you. Um, how heterogeneous or how alike is your audience and how big is your audience? If you're going after a whole bunch of different audiences, you're going to have to spend a lot more to tailor your communication to each, each group. How receptive is your audience? Um, are they seeking the information? It's going to cost you less. If they are not, it's going to cost you more to, to get to them. Um, how difficult is the task? You know, is it difficult to move to the consumers through the decision process? That's going to cost more. Do you have a complex message or a simple message that you gotta you gotta explain? You know, the more complex, probably the more budget you're going to need. Um, can you count it all on your message going viral? Uh, obviously, if you can make it go viral, that would lower your lower your costs, but that can be tricky. And there's a lot of theories about like if it's even possible to get the average people to make something go viral, or do you have to get somebody who has like a lot of followers on social media who essentially is a celebrity and pay them to have their followers see it, and that way it goes viral. And then there's just the idea of media clutter, that the more cluttered the market is, the more you're going to have to spend. Um, one thing that's in the reading that I think is pretty good uh, is they talk about you should think about costs not just from a financial standpoint. You obviously should think about that. But also um, some people will tout like social media or, you know, um, you know website optimization is, is free. But there's really nothing free in terms of effort in business that there's an opportunity cost. So if you have your staff working on a lot of human resources or using up their human resources on quote unquote free digital activities, you know, that's time they could have been doing something else. And so you are kind of giving up something, even if it isn't a direct cash cost. Um, next part of it is measuring our return on investment, ROI. And so measurement's really, really important. Uh, marketing kind of divides it up into two things. How well did delivery go and how well did we impact the consumer to actually, you know, buy something from us? And there's a bunch of different ways that you can measure um, these two, you know, impact factors. Uh, there is a nice illustration on delivery. You know, it's kind of like the flip side of the, um, of the uh, illustration we looked at before. 
But basically, you know, when we're looking at delivery, we're looking at reach. There's tons and tons of metrics like um, open rates, click-through rates, that kind of thing. Um, we can also look at sharing and, you know, just sort of try to predict, like, is this many people share? How, how much will it cause us to get the message spread and that kind of thing? So, um, you know, that's one way of kind of declaring victory is like, hey, we're trying to get this, um, this thing. That being said, like attribution is very, very difficult um, to measure. And then, you know, you can look at it. We last, last week, we talked about a bunch of different ways that we could measure attribution, a bunch of different mo models. But um, there's always a time lag between when people are exposed to an ad and acting on that ad. And we can't know everything they've been exposed to. And so, um, you know, one of the things they do is they look at proxy measures that can measure things like consumer engagement. And, you know, you can do this a bunch of different ways, but um, one thing they talked about was copy testing, where you just see, like, how much did they remember? Could they remember our jingle or remember, like, what, what the purchase was? We can look at pre- and post-viewing purchase interest as well. Um, there's some really sophisticated scientific stuff that they get into about um, looking at, you know, brain scans and looking at um, heart rates and that kind of thing and see, you know, if those can be sort of proxy measures for an emotional connection that could influence a purchase in the future. Um, but just knowing why people do what they do and was it our ads that, that caused it, you know, that's, that can be tricky. Uh, we can look at some delivery message metrics, um, you know, that are, are relatively, you know, straightforward on the internet, like um, cost per thousand impressions and cost per click. Uh, we can look at the number of people that were, you know, exposed. And then, um, you know, the ultimate thing is like when we were going after stuff like that, we're going after reach, we want to have the highest reach we can get at the lowest cost. But you just got to remember, you know, people just are paying less attention to advertising in general. I mean, we kind of have these little phones in our hands where, you know, in the old days when you saw an ad on TV or even like in a trailer or the movie, there was nothing else you could do. You kind of just sitting there, okay, I'll watch it. Um, and they even were pretty smart about like changing the frequency of the sound. So it's not really just the volume, but like making it hard to ignore. Um, now, you know, you've got this little computer in your hand, your cell phone, and you can surf the web and look at other stuff that's way more interesting than the ad. So, you know, it went from about 90% of ads being watched through to the end to now only 20%. Um, so what that means is they're usually saying you got to show the ads more frequently. But again, there's this wear out thing where if you show it too frequently, people start to hate it. Um, marketers use gross rating points, and that is you take the reach and you multiply it by the frequency and you get a percentage and this, you know, is something that you can, you can try to um, shoot for. Uh, big picture, you're trying to increase impact, the right ad to the right person at the right time. Um, it can be so tricky today with the fragmentation of media to figure out where exactly people are and it changes so quickly, but that's an opportunity for you. Um, you know, things like email marketing weren't around 20 years ago. You know, we had catalog drops and telemarketing and direct mail and that kind of stuff. There's probably going to be text marketing that's going to be um, either super annoying or, you know, very, very impactful. 
Uh, people tend to not ignore texts all that much. Like, I think I get a text from Verizon maybe once a month or something. Um, you know, we can track these tactics. We can track the response rates we get. We can track the conversion rates we get. And then we can start, you know, looking at our costs for doing this versus the, you know, benefits from the conversion, meaning somebody buying. We can do the same thing for, like, sales promotions. And we can look at the the lift in sales we get versus the costs and come up with uh, an ROI. You know, um, I think the important thing to remember is that, you know, if you're doing PR, if you're doing digital marketing, everybody at some point is going to be audited and not in like the accounting sense, but just as like, hey, you know, we gave you budget, we gave you some money, how did you do? And usually like, you know, you, you could say, oh, we want awareness and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times it's going to come back to Lyft. And did sales actually go up? And so, you know, it's you can buy sales by just selling stuff really cheap. So they'll show like I, ROI is the equation where you have profits gained minus your costs of this marketing communications divided by the cost of the marketing communications. And that's going to give you your return on investment. Um, to probably get it down to even like cash flow, like to some extent, um, that can be sh- a bit short-sighted. And it's just like if you're trying to establish a brand long-term, you know, not just a lag time with sales, but just like how you know how society thinks of you, how people start to think of you. Um, you've got to like build for the future. Um, one of the measures that they talked about was customer lifetime value and that, you know, if you're marketing to the right customers and you get loyal, profitable customers, you can forecast how much cash flow is going to come in from those customers and compare that to the cash that you've invested in acquiring them and retaining them. And there can be really complex formulas involved in this, um, but it's not a bad way to kind of look at your marketing spending in a, in a sophisticated way. So that was the quick and dirty of um, the third part of marketing communications. I'll post this as well.